Hello, friends, and welcome to the Point of Hope Bible Study Podcast. My name is Steve, and this broadcast is brought to you by the Point of Hope Apostolic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, where brighter days begin. Leading our study today is the senior pastor at Point of Hope, Mr. Stephen Gossage. Pastor, welcome. What can you teach us today? Thank you. Uh, it is good to be with you once again. Lesson six in the series, Heroes in Whom We Can Believe, Moses, Ooh. he was Israel's deliverer. He was, he was. And he became Israel's deliverer because he recognized and finally embraced his purpose. Genesis 41 and 38, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And so our focus thought is that Moses' life, miraculous one indeed, from birth to death in manhood and ministry as a lawgiver and even as a leader of millions of Jews, becomes a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the Savior of mankind. So our outline when we were teaching this in our series uh, at, at the church was that God's purpose was revealed, and we talked about the favoritism of Jacob, and then it talked about Joseph's dreams, in other words, it was setting the table on why the Jews were even in Egypt. And so the purpose was, and it became becomes a little bit using these men and their stories as the foundation for Moses, and that they were in Egypt, and it started them to be under a cruel taskmaster, Pharaoh and, and uh, the Egyptians. We know that purpose that God had a purpose for Israel overall, and it was revealed through the man Moses later on. I mentioned a story, and I, I'd like to go ahead and start uh, our our podcast with this. There's a story that was told of a little boy who saw an old man on a park bench crying. He sat down next to him and began to cry as well. The old man looked over and asked, Why are you crying? And through teary eyes, the boy replied, So you don't have to cry alone. Hmm. Moses didn't decide just to lead the people or just to deliver them. He went much further and became one of them. In other words, God was right in the middle of Moses and what he was doing. And from his birth, again, as I've said, even to until his death, God had a hand on his life, and Moses couldn't discern it all the time. No, no. In fact, I can sum up. Moses for you. Uh, the story goes, you know, God says, hey, do this. And Moses says, oh, I don't want it. And he's like, oh, come on. I, I really need you to do this. He's like, well, but I can't. He's like, no, you can seriously. And it was this back and forth and back and forth. But I tell you, you know, I, <laughs> I kid about Moses, but really he's got a lot of excuses in his walk, I think, yeah. in his early walk, especially, but sure. they're all very relatable to to what we go through when when we're hearing God's mm-hmm. call, so this this will be a, a good teaching. He is a hero. Yes, he is. is very yeah. very heroic, especially in the end. Hebrews eleven, which is the hero's chapter in all of the Bible, referenced Moses, and it said he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. And that sums up Moses and who he was. He recognized his purpose. And in fact, 
we can say that he um, he was conditioned to lose to be a to be another pharaoh, to be the heir of Pharaoh, and to be an Egyptian. But he was born to win. And I just want somebody out there to know, even at the beginning of this podcast, is that you're born to win. Yes, you are. You may have endured some things that has conditioned you to stop hoping, stop believing, stop having um, faith. A, a faith, faith. I want to, I want you to know that you're born to win. God has a greater purpose for you, which is what we're talking about tonight. And so the details of the birth of Moses, it's well known. He was born in Egypt. He had perceptive parents in that they recognized how that the Pharaoh, uh, he saw how much the Jews were growing, and he decided to to destroy all of the male children, and that he was having them thrown into the Nile River so that the crocodiles could eat them and, and what have you, or kill them at birth so they would cover that up so the Jews didn't know what was happening. But the perceptive parents of Moses recognized that that is not what they were going to do. And in type, they took Moses, took him to the water, and they built an ark, and they dabbed it within and without. And they put this baby, and they pushed it down the river. And Miriam followed after. We know that story. Mm -hmm. And how that he cried at the right time, Mm -hmm. and the Pharaoh's daughter saw this little Hebrew boy, baby, and took her, took him as her own son. See, God had his hand on him, and in type, as I mentioned, he was in the ark of safety. And what saved him, what didn't allow him to sink, was the dabbing within and without. Mm-hmm. So we need the blood of Jesus applied to our heart in yes. and out. But that's... Don't let me get to preaching now. Well, so. and that's not an amazing bunch of coincidences. No, None no, of it. None of it is. None that's right. It. That's exactly right. And so the parents' courage, we know the story, how that the Pharaoh's daughter said, hey, listen, here's what I'm going to do. Obviously, I'm not a mother. I can't nurse this child. Saw Miriam lurking in the bushes and said, hey, go go get uh, a nursing mother. A and Hebrew. And uh, we'll, yeah, a Hebrew, not the mother, I should say, or a mother, random mother. And bring her and then have her nurse this child. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to pay them. Amazing coincidence. <laughs> oh, is it amazing? Amazing. Purpose. <laughs> so the maturity of Moses became the making of the man. He was obviously reared in Pharaoh's house. And I've mentioned, and, of course, I'm a student of history. I'm a history buff. And Egypt, having been there especially, I know that is fascinating. And this time in, in human history, the Egyptians were pretty sharp cats. Oh, yeah. They built buildings, the pyramids that still stand today. Yeah, amazing they, structures. They yeah. had very much control of mathematics, uh, time, all of these different things, architecture. Physics, I mean, all kinds of things. They, they were well Stone ahead. working, yeah. Yes, and so that caused them, obviously, to be the one of the first, if not the first, major world empire. Right. Definitely the dominant power of the day. Absolutely. And so here it was, God's God was allowing his uh, type of savior for his people to be reared in the best of circumstances. Proverbs 22 and 6 reiterates us that train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. It's certain that Moses' early training had effect on Moses. 
He dressed like a, an Egyptian. Mm-hmm. He, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for it. He walked like an Egyptian. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, he did all of those things as an Egyptian. He lived as an Egyptian. But there came a time that Moses refused Pharaoh's sonship in that he saw one of the Egyptian taskmasters beating one of his Hebrew brethren, and it caused something within him in his breast to rise up, and he identified immediately, and he sloughed off all of the Egyptian training, and he became a Hebrew, as it were, once again. And we know the story. He responded a little too strong, or not strong enough, who knows, but he killed the taskmaster. Mm -hmm. They buried him, and then he tried to hide his sin. Well, even in that circumstance, you can never hide sin, but that'll preach another time. So he goes back, and uh, he thought that maybe he could have his feet in two different worlds, Steve. He thought he could still be an Egyptian pharaoh in training, and then he could also still be a Hebrew and identify, hey, I'm one of you. I'm one of you fellas. And they said, "Uh uh-uh. No, no, no. You, you come to cause more grief and you're still you're still dressing like an Egyptian and and this will preach as well. You don't you can't have your feet in two different worlds. You can't be saved and also into the world at the same time and That's expect true. that you're gonna have any followership or become a follower. Or reason to be followed. Absolutely. Yep. But God was preparing Moses, and we know the story, and I won't get into it too much, in that he took him to the backside of the desert And even in this situation, God was preparing him and preparing his people for the tasks that lie ahead. Hebrews 11 and 24 through 26 says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Then it goes on to say, which is what I read earlier, then to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. So this was a conscious choice of Moses to align himself with the people of God, and it pointed ahead, and it was in type of the one who would later refuse Satan's offer of all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Jesus, when he was tempted, he deliberately chose the cross instead of a worldly crown. Mm, mm, mm. Great, great typology. And you said that's not random. No. He esteemed Christ as greater riches. I know my time is really getting away, uh, which is endemic of every preacher I've ever known. They want to just keep talking. (laughs) And I am no less the same. Because there's so much to really point out, especially in the life of Moses. Moses, uh, dare I say, is also another one of my favorite oh, yeah. people. He esteemed the reproach of Christ. I think that that could be a question to us. What is the reproach of Christ? Well, Hebrews 13, 12, and 13 says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate... Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. We know Jesus bore, in type, the reproach of the cross because his children were helplessly bound by sin. He chose to share their burden that he came to redeem them through the cross. And in this sense, what Moses chose was akin to bearing the reproach of Christ. He felt it personally when one of his kinsmen was being beaten, and he tried to intervene. Now, you could be saying, okay, pastor, I hear you. So what is the application here, what Moses is? And, and 
we're not deliverers. That's that's kind of not not clear exactly what I'm trying to say to you so far. But I I want to say this: you have a purpose. Absolutely, you have a place in the will of God. And through it all, Moses became Israel's deliverer because we know Moses started by forsaking Egypt. He had no, uh, God has no hands or feet, but our feet and our hands. And faith goes hand in hand with works. And what God was wanting to do in his people, he needed somebody that was willing and that would recognize their purpose, what he was doing. I, I like this story. I said this. Uh, in our lesson, I think you even referenced this uh, outside of the podcast. How that you like it, Evangelist D.L. Moody, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, experienced that most feared of all disasters that can happen on a ship—a fire in the hold of the ship. When asked by the captain of the ship to help form a bucket line, one of Moody's companions. Uh, suggested to Moody that they return to the cabins to pray. And Moody said, hold on, not so. (laughs) Let's get in the bucket line and let's pray as we're passing the buckets. That's exactly what we're talking about with purpose. We can talk all day long about calling and purpose, but we have to put our hands and feet to it. It just doesn't happen by itself. you got to put the work in. Absolutely. God is sovereign. God is sovereign, but he chooses. He binds himself uh, Bishop Straup, uh, former superintendent of the Indiana District in the United Pentecostal Church International, said this, and I love it, and I still use it years later. God binds himself to the prayers of his people, and God will do that. He's waiting on people to recognize their purpose. Christians need to separate themselves from the world. Sure. We just need to recognize what Egypt is. And what being walking with the people of God is. And and we need to prepare ourselves accordingly so that we can attain what God wants us to be. We know Moses kept the Passover. I'd love to talk about that, but the Passover was basically this. It's when the last uh, 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 plague happened where they took the blood of the sacrifice of the sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb. They took the blood, and God said, I want you to take the blood, I want you to apply it to the lentils and the doorposts, which is also type or parallel to the heart. And he said, God said to Moses, wherever the blood is, uh, the death angel will pass over, and the judgment won't come. But wherever the blood isn't applied, judgment's coming. Well, we know all the people of God that knew that recognized what God was doing, what God was about ready to take them out of, their Egypt, their world, and get them out from under their their Pharaoh, their taskmaster, the devil. The blood was applied to the doorposts and lentils of their heart, typology of salvation. And they left, and that's what's called the Passover, and they celebrated even to today. Christ in 1 Corinthians 5 and 7 is even mentioned as our Passover. So Moses and the people, as they were exiting out of Egypt, about that time while they were leaving, the Egyptians were waking up to the the sight and the sound of death everywhere. Yeah, because it wasn't just kids. It wasn't kids. No, it was all firstborn. That means animals, everything. It was all. And and, Uh, considering what they had already been enduring. 
I yes. mean, this is the last straw kind of stuff. Right. And them. we didn't even get into all that. But yeah, again, but there's a bunch of stuff. We have to skip over to the messaging of what we're trying yeah, to tell us. Yeah, because we have to get you to come to church. Yeah, right. <laughs> come and get the rest of the story. So God was taking them, leading them by a pillar uh, of fire and, and a cloud, leading them, and he led them to the Red Sea. And that, the Bible tells us, that he lifted up his hands, and with the staff that he had had in his hands, the Bible says that God rolled back the water and caused it to be not muddy ground, but dry ground. And the people of God, with the blood applied to the lintels and doorposts, as it were, figuratively, walked through the Red Sea, and on the other side... The Bible says that Pharaoh and the army followed them in the water, but God caused the water to slam shut on the Egyptians. And that was type of baptism. And so while they saw that the Pharaoh couldn't follow them through the waters of baptism, the Red Sea, they worshiped and they praised. And guess what? Purpose was being revealed, and it all started with the blood and with the water. It's still the same. Acts chapter 2 and 38, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 and 2 says that the children of Israel were all under one cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, real quick. Yeah. Because I don't want to, I want people to have some perspective on it. I mean, it's an awesome miracle and you sure. get it and I get it. Sure. Uh, but someone who's listening at home, they think, okay, so he parted the sea and the people walk through. We're not talking a hundred people. Right. We're not talking a thousand people. Right. Ten thousand people. Right. A hundred thousand people. Right. What 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 do we think the number is? Well, what has been posited over uh, by many theologians that it was two million plus people. So imagine two million the waters <laughs> pulling back enough to have dry ground for two million I, I mean, I don't even know if I could think of an event on TV where I've seen two million people clustered in one place. Right. I mean, just the logistics of poor Moses having to plan right. to get two million people through the... Oh, my I mean, Lord. It had, it had to be. It's like herding cats. Had to be God. Yeah, and imagine yeah. It, uh, you know, two million cats being worse. Yeah. Oh, but, Lord. But see, that it's those things. You, It has to be God. Absolutely. God was in it all the way. All the way. And, I, you know, Moses probably had more FaceTime with God than anybody. I mean, yes. in the Old Testament, certainly. Yes. I mean, FaceTime, and, and those those Jews at that time, they didn't know how good they had it. That's right. With the tabernacle. He was with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Can't even imagine. You know, we talked about peace. I, I'm sure that in the midst of all that wondering where we're going, how we're going to get there, I'm hungry, you still have a sense of peace because, hey, he's right over there in the tent. Right. Now, here's a salient point here that we can't lose right there, and it just dovetails in what you're saying. Moses had to discover his purpose so that he might be the deliverer of the Jews out of their Egypt or the type of the world. And while God was leading them with the lentils, the Passover, and through the water, he was in turn revealing their purpose and what he was going to do. Now, 
Why is that important? That's important in that we know the story you referenced. They didn't receive it. In fact, they murmured and complained just a short time later, and they yeah. kicked rocks, and whole generation had to die out before they actually received and saw their purpose actually being fulfilled. But the, the point is, is that even with recognizing that God has a purpose for our lives, there's a danger in always leading or being led by carnality. And being led by our own selfish desires. You again, I said it already. You can't have your feet in two different worlds. You can't have your feet in Egypt and be led by Egypt, and then also be walking with God and, and embracing your purpose. It's just clear they came over and over again. Well, and, if, would, and if you know the Egypt's bad, and you know your Egypt's bad, why would you want to have a foot there? Be, why would you even want to get close? Because it's be, you know it's easier to be physically loosed. Than mentally loosed. Yeah. Because what did they say? They said to Moses, Would to God that we were back in Egypt when they were hungry. Oh, yeah. Eating garlics and leeks. You know, I like garlic, but that ain't enough. I'm thinking, well, of course, they couldn't have a sausage biscuit or anything like that. But, <laughs> but, but they were hungry and they sure. always identified when things got bad. Why don't, why, they always identified with Egypt. Why don't we go back? Why are we here? Was it really that bad? I mean, were they? Yes. I cannot believe they were that far displaced from the beatings and the killings. And And so we're just like that. We need to be freed not only physically, but mentally and spiritually. That's why I love what Jesus said. He who the Son is set free is free indeed. So when you truly get a hold of being filled with the Holy Ghost and and seeing this New Testament salvation being played out in your life according to the Word of God, that's not a denominal or a religious thing. It's found clearly in the Word of God, the plan of salvation. If you can do that... God will break the chains of your addiction to Egypt. So that's I, I, I could go on even on that point right there. But many in the, the events, and let me just close off Moses here and, and our thought today. The events in the life of Moses are, are useful mm-hmm. for instruction and edification, absolutely, for us in the church. Like Moses, the church can learn that God knows what he's doing, and that he has us in the palm of his hand, and we should learn to flow with the will of God instead of trying to rush God's timetable. Yeah. So without going into too much more, I think that's where I'm going to close yeah. on that. Well, and that is all the time we have for this study today. So Already? I know it's time. I pray that this was a blessing for you and that you'll join us as we continue to study God's Word. Please follow us on our various platforms so you won't miss an episode of this exciting series. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.